Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we present a discussion on the life and career of the 18th century magician and alchemical adept who called himself Count Alessandro Cogliostro. He was perhaps the most colorful and adventurous character in our hermetic tradition. Vilified as a rogue and a scoundrel and a charlatan by the academy and the church in Europe, he was loved by the common people for his healing touch and alchemical medicines, which he administered freely to the poor and dearly to the rich. He claimed to be able to create gold to support his charity work and his lavish lifestyle. He and his glamorous wife, Lorenza, founded an androgynous quasi-Masonic Egyptian rite, which allegedly involved nudity and sex magic. Cagliostro was featured as an anti-hero in a series of novels by Alexander Dumas and depicted on film by Orson Welles in the 1949 movie classic Black Magic. We will consult Sax Romer's The Romance of Sorcery, 1914, for a more accurate version of the Count's adventures than Dumas' novels and the screenplay offer us. So, if you'd like to meet the real Count Coliostro and the Countess Coliostro, tune in and we'll follow them on their journey as Coliostro invented himself and invented Lorenzo along with him. Now, now when I was 10 years old as a college student, I saw two films that provided the visual dramatic impressions of magic and magicians that lurked in my mind until I eventually became a hermetic magician myself at age 33. Now, the first of these films was Jean Cocteau's Orpheus, 1949, and the second was Orson Welles' Black Magic, released the same year. It was this film in which Wells played the 18th century wizard, Count Coliostro, that convinced me that hypnosis was the operative phenomenon behind magic. Although Wells' performance was remarkable and memorable, the screenplay of the film was a total distortion of, it, of the Alexander Dumas novels on which it was based, which were themselves a monstrous distortion of the real story of this remarkable character. Now, a reporter once said to Alexander Dumas, It has been said, Monsieur Dumas, that you have raped history. Whereupon Dumas replied, Yes, but I have produced a beautiful offspring. Dumas' Coliostro was anything but beautiful. The author drew on the Count's worst critics and the records of the Inquisition in Rome that tried and sentenced Coliostro to death. Now, that that's where most of Dumas' research came from. Charles Bennett, who wrote the screenplay for the RKO film based on Dumas' novels, made even more distortions in order to tell an epic life story in 105 minutes. 
Even so, the movie is better than the books. One thing, and of course, the books don't have Orson Welles. One thing Dumas did get right was Coleostro's birth name. He was Joseph Balsamo, born in Palermo, Sicily in 1743. Now, for a more accurate account of his life and adventures, I refer to Saxe Romer's 1914 account in his The Romance of Sorcery. Now, Joseph Balsamo was born in what was called the Jewish Quarter of Palermo. Uh, but we, we, we aren't really sure whether he was whether his father was Jewish or not, but some some people have assumed he was, but uh, there's no proof of that. His father was a shopkeeper, but Joseph did not did have a rich uncle who sponsored him in a monastery for schooling. Now this monastery was uh, was of a monkish order, and and uh, Joseph became a novitiate of the uh, the Saint John Saint John John of God, uh, monk, uh, the, uh, Catholic uh, Catholic uh, monks order. He received what was considered a good education through his teenage years, and he showed a special interest and talent for chemistry and botany, which. which gave him a foundation for his later work in alchemy. Now, while in the monastery, he began to study occult books. However, he was something of a juvenile delinquent, (laughs) and he was expelled from the monastery school in his early 20s. (laughs) The reason why he was expelled was he was supposed to read, he was supposed to read, uh, biblical stories to the monks while they were eating at dinner, but then, but but he managed to he managed to read salacious passages either from the Bible or from or from other stories instead. And so they expelled him from the order for kind of kind of prankish situation. He then took up when he was expelled, he took up with a gang of local thieves in Palermo, good place for it, and got himself arrested. Now, his rich uncle got him off, but Joseph did not reform. He was already exploiting his interest in the occult by telling fortunes. Now, he pulled a typical gypsy bujo on the local goldsmith, getting the mark to pay a large sum of gold to two demons guarding a treasure in a cave which the mark believed he would acquire. Now, the demons were from Joseph's gang, and they beat up the goldsmith. Now, when when the poor goldsmith recovered, he pressed charges, and Joseph decided to take his share of the loot and leave Sicily. Now, he was in his early 20s. This incident probably gave the screenwriter Bennett the idea of making Joseph a gypsy and taking his gypsy family along with him on his travels in in the screenplay. Now, in Messina, Italy, Joseph met his hermetic master, the colorful old alchemist who called himself Alophus. Now, the alchemist took Joseph as his apprentice, and according to Joseph, the two traveled to Cairo and consulted with the descendants of Alexandrian hermetic masters. Coleostro later embellished this story into an autobiography in which Alophus becomes his foster father 
and travels with him all over the Middle East, from Arabia to Egypt, learning mystical secrets. And this is much like the Odyssey attributed to Christian Rosenkreutz. Now, this became a part of his self-mythologizing. But actually, the two of them sailed from Messina to Malta, where Alothus displayed enough of his hermetic lore to make good connections for both of them. Now, uh, it's possible that that, um, that Joseph, uh, using both, um, you know, both um, Alothus's good offices and 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 his own former uh, former uh, novitiate in in the uh, in the. Uh, the, the Order of Saint John uh, managed to get himself some sort of a title with the with the, uh, with the Knights of Malta. But uh, unfortunately, though, Alothus died while on Malta, leaving Joseph without a mentor. Now, in the Alexander Duma book, Joseph Balsamo, uh, Alexander Duma keeps Alothus alive in his novel and has the old alchemist and Joseph traveling around France in a big wagon laboratory. Now, this is probably the inspiration for the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, a 2009 film by the Monty Python crowd. Uh, now, Joseph sailed to Rome, where he managed to get a job as a secretary to Cardinal Orsini. Now, this gave him the time and the research facilities to start, a, to start a side business in talismans and amulets. And a Sicilian friend of his introduced him to a very attractive 17-year-old girl, Lorenza Feliciani. Now, Joseph and Lorenza were soon married. Now, they moved in with their parents, but the immodesty of their behavior soon forced them out. Now, um, they moved in, uh, yeah, they said that the, the immodesty of their behavior soon forced them out from her, from her parents' home. And it is at an early stage of their marriage that Joseph seems to have begun using his young wife as a professional asset, or at least as bait in what are now called badger games. Joseph's talent for making talismans brought him into partnership with a professional forger with whom he shared Lorenzo's affections. Once Joseph had mastered the forger's art, he and Lorenzo went their own way to Venice, where Joseph was soon arrested and imprisoned for practicing his forger's art. Uh, Lorenzo got him released, presumably with more than a smile, and they decamped for Spain where it seems they had only her charms to support them. Casanova met them there, and he noted that Lorenzo seemed exhausted. Now, Casanova confirms that Joseph Belsamo was indeed Count Cogliostro's birth name. Now, of course, the defenders of Cogliostro, including Trowbridge, who we'll discuss later, uh, the defenders of Cogliostro claim that he wasn't Joseph Balsamo, that that uh, but but um, but Casanova Casanova is considered you know an authority on the period and and uh, and he he certainly confirms that uh, that uh, Cagliostro was Joseph Balsamo. Now from Spain, 
The couple went on to London, where Joseph attempted a bag switch on a diamond necklace, which he promised to enhance by alchemical means. Now, this was a presage of his later alleged involvement in the infamous diamond necklace affair involving the French royal family, for which he was arrested later, but not convicted. Now, in the case of the bag, in, in this case, uh, the bag switch went bad, and he and Lorenzo fled London for Holstein in Germany and a meeting with their future mentor and sponsor, the Comte Saint Germain. Now, we really don't have any absolute proof that the Comte Saint Germain uh, granted an interview. Uh, or an initiation, or whatever, uh, to Cagliostro, but but uh, uh, temporary authorities thought that he did, and and of course, uh, we certainly uh, know that that uh, Saint Germain was was Cagliostro's model. That's what who he was who he was trying to imitate. Uh, uh, whether or not he ever met Saint Germain or not. But anyway, St. Germain was a legend in his own time, the mystery man of Europe, allegedly an immortal alchemist and magician who appeared in the courts and social circles of European nobility for nearly a hundred years, showing no signs of aging. Now, there's no conclusive proof that Joseph and Lorenzo contacted St. Germain, but according to one of the contemporary authorities that Romer cites, Joseph and Lorenzo were, in fact, initiated by St. Germain and assumed the titles Count and Countess and the surname Cagliostro. Previous to this elevation, they had traveled under a number of pseudonyms, often posing as nobility, a practice that Aleister Crowley, who imagined himself as a later incarnation of Cagliostro, imitated. Now, whether it was St. Germain or some quasi-Masonic secret society that initiated and sponsored the Coleostros, the fact is that from this point onward, their fortunes and endeavors prospered. And according to Alexander Dumas, of course, uh, Coleostro was was initiated into a quasi-Masonic uh, group uh, similar to the Illuminati, which he describes. And, and, uh, and they, they believed that he was going to be their avatar, and they groomed him for it, which is the same impression that we get with the uh, St. Germain initiation, that uh, he was going to become the successor to St. Germain. Now... Um, the fact is that from this point onward, their fortunes and endeavors prospered. Now, in in the Duma, in the Alexander Duma version, uh, they they quite frankly uh, indicate that that he's going to be funded. That he's going to be funded from these people who have branches even in the United States. They they even, uh, are, as we know, George Washington wouldn't wouldn't let the Illuminati in the United States, but but Duma didn't know that, and so he assumed that even American Masons were going to, to going to support the Coleostra. Anyway, um, 
combining his alchemical expertise with a natural ability as a hypnotist, Joseph developed a reputation as a healer throughout Europe. He returned to England and joined the Masonic Lodge, but before he did that, they went. They, they even went to St. Petersburg, Russia, and and uh, Catherine the Great uh, threw him out of St. Petersburg <laughs> because um, uh, Lorenzo, uh, one of Catherine's Catherine's favorite young Russian young Russian boyars, uh, was attracted to um, uh, was attracted to Lorenzo. And so Catherine wasn't going to put up with that, so she threw him out of Russia. So um, they returned. He uh, Joseph uh, developed a reputation as a healer. He returned to England and joined the Masonic Lodge of the Strict Observance. Now, Masonry, as those of you who are not Masons may not know, Masonry originated. Uh, in England, uh, about 1717, and of course, this uh, this where we're, we're, we're at right now is about 17, 1770, and uh, it went from England. It, it, it got started in England, and it went over to the continent, and it began to uh, develop into into sort of strange, different versions over in the continent. One of these was the Bavarian Illuminati. And the Bavarian Illuminati almost took over masonry in, in, in uh, Central Europe until it was finally finally exposed and, and, and uh, it gave way to another uh, equally, equally uh, cultish Masonic jurisdiction called strict observance. And we uh, discussed that in, in, in previous uh, Hermetic Hour show. This strict observance was uh, uh, was uh, a very, very uh, authoritarian uh, Masonic jurisdiction in which you pledged allegiance to an unknown superior. It was very cultish, um, and so. But it came back to England, and it and and, and there was a. There was a strict observance lodge in London, and they took uh, Joseph uh, in into the lodge. And uh, so he then proceeded after after taking the you know becoming a master mason. He then proceeded to redesign the entire Masonic system on what he claimed was an ancient Egyptian model. Now, credit or poll was available to him, but he didn't take it. I mean, he uh, he he thought he could do a better job than the Germans did with credit or poll. And now, considering the now he now in redesigning masonry, Cagliostro considered the murder of Hiram Abiff as an alchemical rather than a spiritual allegory, and he also admitted women on an equal basis. He and Lorenzo jointly ruled the androgynous Egyptian rite in their roles as the Grand Kafta and the Queen of Sheba. Now, with their system planned, blessed, and apparently funded by their secret benefactors, whether this is the Conte Saint-Germain or whether it's the Bavarian Illuminati, we don't, or, or the Strict Observance, or whoever it was that was, was funding them, 
or sports sponsoring them. The intrepid couple returned to the continent to take their show on the road. Now, by this time, Joseph's delusions of grandeur had led him to take a twofold approach to attaining political power. He had his Egyptian lodge as a catch net for the nobility and the wealthy. And at the same time, he established free clinics and dispensed free medicines to the poor, along with his hypnotic healers, which were free to the needy and very expensive for the wealthy. Joseph was indicted in the, in the infamous diamond necklace affair and spent several months in the Bastille before being acquitted at his trial. Now, this diamond necklace affair, this is not the first diamond necklace. That was, that was in England, that, that, that bag switch deal. But this, this diamond necklace had originally been commissioned by the king of France for his mistress. And, and then, then the king died. And uh, and and the missed that and the and the diamond necklace was still at the jewelers and and just about bankrupted uh, two of the two of the big jewelry shops in Paris and and um, there was a conspiracy to try to get Marie Antoinette who was then the Queen of France uh, uh, she'd married the king's son and to get her to buy the necklace. With supposedly with public funds, and the idea was that they, if 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 she could be persuaded to do this, this would turn the people against her. And this 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 was a uh, sort of a foreshadowing of the of the French Revolution. You remember Marie Antoinette uh, was hated by the French people, and remember that uh, you know they said when 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 Marie Antoinette was told that the people had no bread. She said, "Oh, let them eat cake," you know. They and this was part of the campaign to discredit Marie Antoinette. It was a conspiracy, and and Joseph, because he was he had a he had a position at this time as as sort of the court magician. He was and and so he was involved in this thing, and he actually was indicted. But uh, when he came to trial, they couldn't prove it. And although he was innocent of the charges, the trial focused attention on his other activities. And the shocking details of his Egyptian rights were exposed, and he was invited to leave France. Now, according to reports, Lorenza, the Queen of Sheba, and her female candidates for initiation stood in the nude while Joseph, also nude, descended in a golden egg from the ceiling and gave them a lecture on truth. And this was followed by a feast in which they were joined by an equal number of male candidates. And needless to say, the French government, the royal family, and the clergy were not amused. Joseph and Lorenza were invited to leave France and not return. Now, this is where and when Joseph made his fatal mistake. He decided to go to Rome and establish a secret Egyptian lodge chapter in the shadow of the Vatican. Now, both Lorenzo and his friend Casanova begged him not to attempt this, but Joseph was determined 
to challenge the Roman Catholic Church at the center of their power. So he went to Rome, secretly recruited and initiated three local candidates as entered apprentices. Now, one of them betrayed the Coliostros to the Inquisition. They were both arrested and tried for heresy. Joseph was sentenced to death, but the Pope interceded and commuted the sentence to life in prison. Lorenzo was coerced by the Inquisition into betraying her husband and spent her remaining years in a convent. Both the Grand Kafta and the Queen of Sheba died in prison. And, you know, the irony of this is that uh, Cagliostro uh, had become a hero of the democratic movement. And when the, when the Garibaldi uh, movement swept over Italy a few years later, uh, they, 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 uh, the Italian Republicans, they descended on St. Leo, and they were going to, they were going to liberate their, their hero, Cagliostro. Unfortunately, he'd already died, so uh, they never got a chance. Just, in a way, kind of like uh, poor Gordon down in Khartoum, you know. Uh, he was murdered in Khartoum two days before the relief column finally arrived, arrived to rescue him. And anyway, so this was the, uh, the end. And, Lo- and Lorenzo uh, passed away in the convent uh, even uh, even before, uh, before Coliostro did. So this was... Uh, Sad end uh, for this uh, for uh, this magician, and uh, the account that I've just given you is probably much more truthful than some of the other uh, the, the other accounts. I've looked at several several different versions. Uh, there was a a book which I'm sure people who know who know about this will mention. Coliostro, The Splendor and Misery of a Master of Magic, by W.R.H. Trowbridge. And uh, this, was, um, this was published in 1910. And, uh, and he tries to defend Coliostro, and, and he claims that, that there's no proof that he really was Joseph Balsamo, that Joseph Balsamo was a, a known swindler and a known... Uh, and an own uh, criminal, um, uh, but the Coliostro, there was no proof that Coliostro uh, was Joseph Balsamo, except that they were both married to women to women named Lorenza. Well, actually, you know, Trowbridge is wrong. Joseph uh, uh, Coliostro was Joseph Balsamo, and even though even Manley Hall uh, uh, believed that Coliostro was not Joseph Balsamo and wrote a, a glowing, you know, uh, report defending Coliostro. But it is uh, it is possible that that some of the some of the uh, charges against the two of them uh, were exaggerated. And that they really weren't quite as nefarious as they were made out to be. Uh, that's possible. By the way, uh, I have, uh, and uh, naturally, one one would when you're studying 
Cagliostro, one would uh, certainly ask, especially if you're a Mason, he'd ask, well, what about his uh, what about his uh, his Egyptian masonry? Do we have a copy of that ritual? Yes, we do. And uh, I'm sitting here looking at uh, at Cagliostro's secret ritual of Egyptian rite Freemasonry, um, published by by Kissinger, our you know our our, our favorite our favorite esoteric book pirates. Um, and uh, this this is a it's a sort of pamphlet sized book, but it but it's uh, it's the first three degrees of his of his Egyptian rite, uh, at least for, for for the men. We don't have the only version of um, the only version of of the the adoptive rite, the one that his that his wife uh, was the grand mistress of. Uh, that we uh, we have uh, uh, recounted in, uh, as I said, in in Sax Rumor's 1914 Romance of Sorcery. But the first three degrees entered apprentice, uh, entered apprentice, companion, and master. Um, we have these from Kissinger. And I think they're probably still available. And uh, so, if you were to, if you were to go on Amazon, I imagine you'd find it. Um, now, what I want to play out about these uh, the, the the Blue Lodge, the the Blue Lodge degrees of Cagliostro, he's made some some changes that will really really set a Mason's teeth on edge. For one thing, as I as I said earlier. Uh, he took the Hiram of If legend, and instead of having it as a spiritual allegory, he made it an alchemical allegory. Hiram's body decaying in the ground under the acacia is part of an alchemical alchemical process of, of, of decay that 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 we we have in you know in Ripley's twelve steps of alchemy, and and uh, so the whole Hiram of If uh, murder becomes a becomes in a sense, a sort of an alchemical operation. And he and he makes Yachin and Boaz the two the two pillars. Uh he sees them as as uh, as as two individuals. Um and he uh, he makes a lot of other changes and in order to, primarily in order to um to convince Masons that you know master masons that he was going to recruit because when he started when he started doing this on the continent he didn't he didn't really do very much uh, recruiting in England with this thing he he developed he took his uh, his blue lodge you know initiation in in England in strict observance and then apparently stayed there and and wrote this up uh, uh, and and wrote this this up in. And because, of course, in England is where masonry started, so, there, so we had access to, to to more research there, and worked up his Egyptian rite. And uh, frankly, as I said, he he this had already been done with Crater Rapoa, but but uh, he didn't want to he he had wanted to do it his own way, and I can understand that because although he did he did borrow a little bit from Crater Rapoa in, in the course of, of doing this, but. Um, then, then, as far as that's concerned, so do the Illuminati. Um, 
and uh, one of the um, I've got as I say I've got the the Egyptian rite um, in front of me here, and uh, I'll read you a little bit of it so you get a kind of a feeling of this. Um, and this is uh, this is one of the one of the aspects in in, in this in this catechism, and the candidate asks a question. Grant me, I implore you, a greater knowledge of these seven primitive angels. And the answer from the master is, these seven angels are the intermediaries between us and the divinity. They are the seven planets, or better, they direct and govern the seven planets as they are a particular and determined influence over each of the realms necessary to perfect the primal matter. The existence of the seven superior angels is, moreover, truly that by which man has the power to dominate over the same beings. And the question is, my astonishment only further increases my desire to be instructed. But how is it possible for man to command and to be obeyed by these angelic creatures? And the answer, God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. He is the most perfect of his works. And therefore, so long as the first man preserved his innocence and his purity, he was the most powerful creature and the most, and the most superior after God. And because not only had God accorded him the knowledge of those intermediate creatures, but he had also given man the power to direct them and to rule over them immediately after himself. Man having degenerated by the manner in which he abused that great power, God deprived him of that superiority, rendered him mortal, and deprived him even of communication with these celestial beings. And the question is, are the elect, the elus of God, accepted from that general prescription? And the answer is yes. And they are the only souls to whom God has given the grace to enjoy this knowledge and all of the power with which he had favored the first man. Now, it's pretty easy to see that this is far more biblical, far more biblical than than uh, um, than it is Masonic, than you know, than uh, more biblical than it is Egyptian, and um, it certainly is Hermetic, but it's it's uh, it's it's certainly more biblical. Now, another thing I'd like to point out that that uh, the way Coleuster uh, constructed this. You had uh, you had two years between uh, between uh, um, you had two years between entered apprentice and companion, five years between companion and master. Now I I know obviously obviously once he once you once you went over to the continent with this thing he was running people through a lot quicker than that but but that's what he originally planned on doing. Now. Another interesting aspect of this is that um, that Coliostro realized, uh, just as as we realized that, uh, and, and and Charles Russell realized that you needed to have 
a holy guardian angel retreat at some point in your in your system. Now he did this in a, in the master's degree, and he, you were supposed to build us to build a tower, a three chambered tower, in which to hold to have your retreat. And it was a it was not just just uh, three days the way we do it, or or uh, six months the way in Amber Mellon. This this was. Forty days in this in this tower, and it's a square tower, uh, and uh, this was this was the uh, this was the the the, the, rec- the required retreat uh, for the master's degree. Now, as I said, we don't have so we have in this in this uh, this this. Published by uh, published by Kissinger, the Coleostro Secret Ritual of Egyptian Rite Freemasonry. It's just the it's just the three the three male male um, degrees. Just uh, interdependence, companion, and master. So for the um, androgynous degree, ah, we'll have to go to um, we'll have to go to Sachs Romer. Now, by the way. A little bit of information on Sachs Romer. Sachs Romer, although he had been alleged that he was a Golden Dawn member, he may very well have been, but uh, Sachs Romer was the man who created the Fu Manchu stories. But before he did that, he was a he was a dedicated student of the occult. And he really, on this romance of sorcery, he really did a marvelous uh, job researching. So he had, in, in this book, he has Coleostro, Paracelsus, Nostradamus, Apollonius, and Agrippa. And, uh, and he also has John Dee. And he did a very, very good job of, of researching them. Now, um, uh, kind of... Going to read the the um, the description here that he has of of um, Coleostro and and Lorenzo's um, initiation by the Comte Saint Germain. We shall now accompany Coleostro to Holstein and the infamous interview, which dates the rise of his fortunes. It was in Holstein that he prostrated himself before the renowned man of mystery, his immediate and distinguished predecessor in the Kabbalistic arts, St. Germain, reputed to be the issue of an Arabian princess, Myogenic. And according to the author of the memoirs, Antiques, Persevere la Historie de Conte Coliostro, in 1785, that's the source of this, he demanded an audience with the man of inscrutable mystery in order that he might prostrate himself before the Dieu des Cordians, or the God of the Believers. The Comte de Saint-Germain appointed two in the morning as the hour for the interview, which Moment having arrived, says the memoirs, Coleostro and his wife, clothed in white garments, clasped about the waist with girdles of rose color, presented themselves at the Temple of Mystery, which was the abode of the God, 
whom they had come to adore. And the drawbridge was lowered, and a man six feet in height, clothed in a long gray robe, led them into a dimly lighted chamber. Therein some doors sprang suddenly open, and they beheld a temple illuminated by innumerable wax lights, with the commentate of St. Germain enthroned upon the altar. And at his feet two acolytes swung golden thuribles, which diffused sweet aromatic perfumes. The divinity bore upon his breast a diamond pentagram of almost intolerable radiance, a majestic white statue upheld on the steps of the altar, a vase inscribed the elixir of immortality, whilst a vast mirror was upon the wall, and before it a living being, majestic as the, as the statue, paced to and fro. And above the mirror were the singular words, storehouse of wandering souls. The most sublime silence prevailed in this retreat. But at length, voice, yes, yet scarcely that of any one man pronounced these words. Who are you? Whence come you? What would you? The Comte and the Comtesse de Coliostro prostrated themselves, and the former answered, after a long pause, I come to invoke the God of the believers, the Father of truth. I come to demand of him one of the 14,700 secrets which are treasured in his breast. I come to proclaim myself his slave, his apostle. The God did not respond, but after a long silence, the same voice asked, What does the partner of thy long wanderings desire? To obey and serve, answered Lorenza. Coincident with her words, profound darkness succeeded the glare of light. Uproar followed on silence. Terror descended upon the visitors to the shrine, and a loud and measuring cry came. Woe to those who cannot pass the tests. Cagliostro and his wife were immediately separated to undergo their respective trials, which, we are told, they endured with exemplary fortitude. When the romantic initiation was over, the two postulates were led back into the temple with the promise of admission to divine mysteries. There a man draped in a long mantle cried, Know ye that the arcanum of our great art is the government of mankind, and that the one means to rule... I'm going to start over again. I want you, everybody really, really listen to this, because this, this, is, this is what Dumas is hinting about this is what so many critics of Coleosra are hinting about, that this is, this, this, is, this is the meat of this whole thing. Know ye that the arcanum of our great art is the government of mankind, and that the one means to rule mankind is to never tell mankind the truth. Do not foolishly regulate your actions in accordance with the precepts of common sense, rather strange, outrage reason, rather outrage reason, and indomitably maintain every incredible absurdity. Remember 
that reproduction is the primary power in nature, politics and society alike, and that it is madness with mortals to be immortal, to know that the future, although they fail to comprehend the present, and spiritual without groveling in the grossly material. And after this harangue, the orator genuflected before the divinity of the temple and retired. And at the same moment, a man of gigantic stature led the Comtessa to the feet of the immortal Comte Saint Germain, who addressed her earnestly thus, Marked out from my tenderest youth for greatness, I employed myself as ascertaining the nature of true glory. Politics appeared to me to be nothing but the science of deception. War, the art of assassination. Philosophy, the ambition of imbecility. Physics, quaint conceits about nature and the habitual mistakes of persons suddenly translated to a country utterly unknown to them. Theology, the science of misery, born of human pride. History, the contemplation of perpetual perfidy and blundering. Thence I concluded that the statesman was a skillful liar, the hero an illustrious idiot, the philosopher an eccentric creature, the physician a pitiable and blind person, the theologian a fanatical pedagogue, and the historian a wordmonger. Then did I hear of the divinity of this temple, and I cast my cares upon him with my doubts and my aspirations. And when he took possession of my soul, he enabled me to perceive all objects in a new light, and I began to read futurity. This universe, so limited, so narrow, so desert-like, was now bordered only by infinity. I abode not only with those who are, but with those who were. He united me to the lowest to the loveliest women of antiquity. And to illustrate the spiritual character of these ladies with whom St. Germain claimed acquaintance, I append the whole passage in the original French um, and uh, well, I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> I'm not gonna read the original French. When the service was finished the costume of ordinary life was resumed. A superb toast terminated the ceremony. During the course of the banquet, the two guests were informed that the elixir of immortality was merely toque-colored green or red according to the necessities of the case. And several essential precepts were were enjoined upon them. Among others, that they must detest, avoid, and and culminate men of un- and, and cultivate men of understanding, but flatter, encourage, and blind and blind fools that they must spread abroad with such mystery the report that the Comte de Saint Germain was five hundred years of age, and that they must make gold the dukes above all. The facts of this singular encounter, unfortunately, are not available from any reliable source. Now that's, and they're not, of course. This is this 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 is uh, even even this even even this contemporary reporter admits that. And if it occurred as above narrated, it served beyond doubt to confirm the Coliostra in his ambitious projects, and certainly a marked uh, change had taken place in the adventurer since his second visit to England. 
His language, his mien, his manners are all transformed, and his conversation turns only on his travels to Egypt, to Mecca, and other remote places. Upon the secret sciences unto which he was initiated at the foot of the pyramid, and on the arcana of nature which he has discovered. And at the same time, he talks little and more often envelops himself in a mysterious silence. And when interrogated, he only denies, for the most part, to draw his symbols. A serpent and an apple with an apple in his mouth and pierced by a dart, meaning that human wisdom should be silent, respecting the mysteries which it has unraveled. Now, that, as fanciful as it may be, certainly indicates that Coliostro was was actually a political agent provocateur. There's hardly any doubt about that. I and mean, certainly certainly the French government assumed that. And and uh, the so all of the you know and and and, and <laughs> even though I'm not trying to defend the kind the the, the the Inquisition, but but uh, you know I mean we can't really have too much sympathy for for Joseph for for going down to Rome and trying to trying to create this this. Uh, you know, trying to create this Egyptian lodge, you know, in, in uh, uh, you know, right, right in the, uh, right in the, uh, in the shadow of the Vatican. Uh, this was uh, was really a, 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 the height of, 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 well, what would what would you call hubris? I guess that the, the, you know, uh, the, the hubris against the gods uh, and. and uh, and in a sense, it, 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 it like the, you know, uh, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad, and whom the gods would destroy, they 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 they, they first make mad at the gods. And so this is what he did. He 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 tried to he tried to take heaven by storm, and 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 uh, and heaven ended up storming him. Uh, the again, of course, Coliostro. Coriostra left us quite a quite a legacy. Besides inspiring Crowley, uh, and, and Crowley imitated him because Crowley, uh, for, for one thing, Crowley thought he was a reincarnation of Coriostro, and Crowley did very much the same thing. He 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 traveled all over the all over the Middle East and and and, and in the in the Southeast Asia and into China, and and he used assumed names. And he traveled all over Europe using and and he assumed uh, the, uh, uh, titles, you know, like Coliostro did. Coliostro, before he called himself Coliostro, uh, he called himself the Count de Phoenix, and and uh, he had two or three other pseudonyms that he that he used, uh, and uh, and Crowley did the same thing. He was imitating Coliostro, and. Uh, and in many ways, uh, 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 Coliostro, uh, you know, became sort of the archetype of the of the occult uh, of the occult charlatan, uh, in the sense that 
that, that uh, he was imitated by Crowley and imitated, although Crowley wasn't, you know, Crowley, Crowley was no more, no less a charlatan than than than, than Cagliostro, uh, because both of them were obviously very talented and and, uh, and very bright, and and uh, also had uh, a great deal of charisma. Um, one thing that that we 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 have to say with 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 Cagliostro, but he established a pattern, a model. And this is going to some some of our Masonic friends are going to are going to kind of balk at this, but when you think about it, Coleostro was the inspiration. His activities were probably the inspiration for a Masonic organization that we call the 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 uh, the Nobles of the Mystic Shrine, the Shriners. And the Shriners have this kind of kind of kind of silly uh, Egyptian Arabian uh, ritual of theirs, which is which <laughs> I will admit I I I, I, you know, I I've been through it and 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 across the hot sands and all that. But but what the Shriners do and what Cagliostro did was charity work. And and uh, and Coliostro, he established free clinics, and and there are to this day orphanages and and charity clinics in Europe that that owe their origin to Joseph Balsamo. He actually he actually started them, and and they're uh, they uh, so he. And granted, uh, he was doing this for political purposes, uh, and and uh, and whether or not you know he was funded, whether or not he was funded by by the vestiges of the Illuminati or strict observers or whatever, uh, or the people who 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 funded and promoted the French Revolution, that's an assumption. That, uh, that 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 some people have made. I think Dumas. I think Alexander Dumas definitely made that assumption because he has he has his own version of this initiation uh, that I just read. You know, the, the the so-called Saint Germain initiation. Dumas has his own version of that in his novel Joseph Balsamo, in the beginning, where Cagliostro uh, is is initiated and assumes the mantle of the Avatar. And is told that he's going to be funded, and by and by uh, by the, these quasi Masonic groups, some of which are even from the United States. But um, this is, uh, as I said, the Nobles of the Mystic Shrine use that formula, and and, uh, and charity work. And and, uh, and and you know the crippled children's hospitals, and that's then that's fine, and it's good. And, and I'm not criticizing them, but that model was originally established by by Coliostro, and and uh, uh, and uh, it, it is it is true that that, that you can uh, if you want to if you want to uh, get the people on your side. Give them, give them health care, and give them, uh, and, and uh, give them uh, charity, and give them health care, 
and and uh, then then they'll love you, you know. And they did, and and uh, and and Cagliostro was was loved by the common people. He was he was a hero of rising democracy of the rising democratic movement, and uh, and <laughs> he even he even predicted Napoleon. <laughs> uh, there's uh, in Paul Christian's history and practice of magic. Paul Christian recounts a Cagliostro uh, uh, attending a lecture, uh, a symposium, in which the, the great French uh, 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 scholar Court de Geblin, who was an expert in, in Oriental, Oriental lore and whatever, Court de Geblin and and Cagliostro have this have this. Well, it's kind of a debate at this symposium, and Cagliostro uh, holds forth in, in, in Paul Christian's History and Practice of Magic. He holds forth on his views on numerology, and he has this whole system of numerology, and he ends up predicting Napoleon uh, and predicting, of course, uh, Marie Antoinette's uh, demise and and. Uh, and all of this, and 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 according to Geblin is quite impressed with with uh, uh, with Cagliostro's uh, occult knowledge and and whatever. Anyway, um, so I think perhaps, uh, as I said, I heartily recommend. Uh, I don't recommend the the, the Dumas books. Uh, they're 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 very interesting and and and, and uh, enjoyable, but. Uh, I do recommend uh, um, the um, uh, Sax Romer, Sax Romer's uh, The Romance of Sorcery. I, re- I recommend that. And and uh, we read some from that. And, of course, naturally, uh, Cagliostro's uh, uh, Egyptian Rite. Uh, you, could, you, could, uh, you could study that. And also... Um, I think uh I think that uh um, Paul Christian's history and practice of magic obviously that 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 that's to be highly recommended. And uh and and I believe even though the distortions and the and the the changes that that uh that Bennett, the screenwriter, made in, in the RKO film that Orson Welles where Orson Welles played Coliostro. This is a wonderful movie, regardless of how much they they changed history around and all. But it's still, it's a remarkable movie. And to see Orson Welles uh, play Coliostro is, is whether whether he does it whether he does it according to history or not. It, it's, it, Orson Welles is is Orson Welles is is Coliostro. I mean, you 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 you'll remember that. I mean, that's what you'll really remember. And I strongly recommend that. And uh, next week. Right along the same line, uh, next week, or at least the next our next live show, if when we get it, uh, get it ready, uh, we're going to do Goliostro's so-called mentor. He may or may may or may not have been his mentor, but he certainly was. He certainly was his his um, his inspiration. We're gonna we're gonna do the Comte Saint Germain, and. Uh, and hopefully we'll have as a guest for that we'll have we'll have uh, the master Philos, uh Mary Kamer, uh, who is preparing to do a a lecture and on on, on the Comte Saint Germain's music. And so we'll hopefully we'll 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 be able to do the Comte Saint Germain 
and whom we have discussed you know a bit tonight uh as the predecessor of of Coliostro. and uh hopefully we'll we will either do that we'll either do that next week or the week following depends on depends on you know when how long it takes us to get it ready and so in the meantime uh we look forward to that and uh we'll see you next week and meanwhile good magic <laughs>